Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Sophia Dubois. I write every week in the New European on the music scene across Europe and the UK. If you'd like to enjoy more from the New European, do join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Hello Snowflakes and welcome back to the New European Podcast. It's a British eye on European politics and culture from the people who bring you the New European newspaper. People like me. I'm Steve Anglesey. How are you? In the moment, I'm going to be joined by the New Europeans editor-at-large, Alistair Campbell, on the elephant in the room at the Labour conference. Not really. It's not a real elephant, don't we? It's not going to be about like Blue Peter. That's more like the Tory conference when uh, Theresa May was in charge. After that, we're going to put more putrid politicians and pompous pundits into my hall of shame. The New European's got a brilliant new website. Check it out, theneweuropean.co.uk, and you can enjoy more from us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. We've got a brilliant new podcast you can listen to after this one as well. Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives. It tells the life story of amazing Europeans in short 10-minute bursts brilliant uh, it's available wherever you got this podcast so coming up in a minute alistair campbell but first i want to talk to you about brexiteers or as they should now be renamed the it's nothing to do with brexit ears because as we'll talk about with alistair in a minute there's a group of pundits and punters who are desperate to tell you that when problems like the hgv drivers crisis arise they're nothing to do with brexit even though they are something to do with brexit they're not everything to do with Brexit, but they're not nothing to do with Brexit. You know, I'm I'm not crazy. I I don't think everything bad is to do with Brexit. If I see a dog poo on the road or somebody, you know, leaves a bit of a scrape on my car, I don't think bloody Brexit, they've done it again. I'm not expecting the big reveal on Vigil on the BBC to be that the real villain was Boris Johnson. Although when you come to think of it, that was the big reveal on Line of Duty. But some bad things are partly the fault of Brexit. And we need to be clear about that. Let me give you an example. It's now fairly widely accepted that there's going to be a shortage of Christmas trees this Christmas. There'll be fewer trees than usual. The ones you'll be able to buy will be more expensive. And those are first world problems, right? But that's what, for a few weeks now, we've been told is going to happen. And the it's nothing to do with Brexit ears are saying that the Lack of trees is nothing to do with Brexit. Instead, they're saying it's down to a botched mink cull in Denmark or because of climate change. And to be fair, isn't it good to see 
levers acknowledging climate change exists. Now they can use it as an excuse. But while both of those things have played a part, and there are other factors as well, there is a Brexit-shaped elephant in the room. And I was very taken by a Christmas tree supplier called Mark Rofe, who, uh, who was talking to the Daily Record in Scotland. He said, our main grower supplies the market with 100,000 trees each year and employs between 50 and 70 workers in the peak of the season. They were reliant on foresters, mostly from Eastern Europe, who would come over for the harvest and then would return to their home country afterwards. Since the Brexit transition, they just aren't able to come over to work at all now. And making matters worse is the fact that the demand for British trees is going to be higher than ever because of another Brexit-shaped elephant. Mr Rowe, he said his growers were seeing an increase in demand from clients who would usually import their trees from Europe, but they're keen to avoid any red tape that could cause increased costs or cause delays. So there are going to be fewer Christmas trees harvested because of Brexit and fewer Christmas trees imported because of Brexit. That's on top of the other stuff. So there's not much chance of rocking around a Christmas tree this year unless it's artificial. That's a prospect that might make even the it's nothing to do with Brexiteers pine for the good old days. Now, it's nearly time for Alistair Campbell on the Brexit elephant in the room. But first, we asked you listeners of this podcast what you want Keir Starmer to say in his speech at the Labour conference. Amanda Jeannie Hughes said he should say this. You may not all be aware, but I'm happy to point out to the many that don't, that we have alignment with the EU at the forefront of our manifesto. Vote Labour at the next general election and we will endeavour to repair the damage that's been inflicted on our country. Claudio says Keir Starmer should say this. Brexit is failing. We should have a discussion on how to reapply to the single market. Stevie Simpson says, sorry, would be a good start from Keir Starmer, followed by, I promise from now on to call out every single Tory lie. And Craig Hollingsworth says, Keir Starmer should say, I'm going to tackle first past the post and the lack of representation. David White says Keir Starmer should say, in a surprising about turn, I'm in favour of Scotland's right to decide its future. And Jeff Hammond says he should tackle all of this. Clarity on economic stability, how he will renegotiate the crap EU deal, an unconditional commitment to legislation for PR without a referendum, and a long list of the dire Boris Johnson acts that simply need to be repealed, a list that is growing by the day. And then David Tom of finally says this about Keir Starmer's performance at the Labour conference. He says, I would like to see him do an old sea shanty on the accordion. And do you know what? He does need something to turn it round uh, in the public eye and maybe an old sea shanty on the accordion in a fair knit sweater might be it. So it's time to turn to our guest this week. Joining us now, a man who knows a lot about Brexit and a lot about Labour conferences. Welcome back, Alistair Campbell. How are you? I am well. I've just been talking about how the people we used to call Brexiteers are now that this has got nothing to do with Brexiteers, aren't they? <laughs> um, this is a phenomenon you've noticed as well, I think. People avoiding mentioning the B word as much as possible when they're asked to explain uh, what is happening to our economy. Well, I say in, the, in my column this week that it's a kind of delusion that, that's just sweeping across the Conservatives, but it's also affecting the opposition. Nobody wants to talk about it. And, and Now, you could argue that people like you and me maybe look for it too much and but when I was on the telly recently with Andrew Bowie the Tory Conservative Vice Chairman and I said look I'm prepared to accept that not all of our problems are caused by Brexit not all of the supply chain issues are about Brexit but at least accept that some of them are Mm. 
And the reason why that's important is because when we talk about Brexit being done, it's not being done, it's still being renegotiated. Well, while you're doing that, face up to the reality of what's going on. Look, I get why the Tories don't want to talk about it, because it's not going very well. And they want to see Brexit as a kind of single act in time that now we have to, quote, move on from. Yes. For Labour, for Labour, when you think about the damage it's doing to business, to families, to public services and, and all the rest of it, then I just don't understand why they, they're so reluctant just to, to say the word, this is because of Brexit. It's very odd, isn't it? I mean, just let's just take the gas price crisis where Brexit, apart from the new European, Brexit's hardly been mentioned as a, as a cause of that. What do you understand about how staying in the European internal energy market would have helped out with this? Well, just that, that it would have been, it would have given us greater stability and, and, and a greater ability to, to work on price control together. But yeah. I think that, you know, the, look, I do, I, I think with gas, the, the gas issue, there are plenty of other factors at play, but Brexit is one of them. And I saw, apart from that guy, Ross Atkins, who does those sort of you know five six seven minute videos on on the bbc which never get shown on the main the main kind of bbc output sort of you know on the news channel and it's on this and that and the other and sometimes on social media my view but the desire of the media it's not that they even say it's not about brexit they don't even mention that it might be and what i find incredible is when before we knew what brexit was going to mean before we knew about the legislation and all the votes in the commons and all that stuff the media talked of nothing else now that we're actually seeing it as a reality with impact on people's lives there's an emerter it's like it's gone away and why do you think that is do you think it's because of do you think it's because the bbc are scared of the government do you think they they perceive that their viewers have got brexit fatigue what what is motivating it i don't know I really don't know. I mean, it, I, I look, I think the BBC, I mean, I don't like slagging the BBC because, you know, I think they are very important. And I think I don't like playing the government's game because they want to undermine the BBC. But I really think they've sort of adopted a kind of in a psychological posture that is about, you know, cowering in front of an attack they're expecting, as opposed to standing up for themselves and their values now. Um, I mean, some of their coverage of Johnson's trip to the United States has just been laughable absolutely laughable just d- d- like what was his big thing his big thing was we're going to get a trade deal. he sort of he casually drops in that we're well it doesn't look like we're going to get a trade trade deal at the back <laughs> of the queue and it's like oh well despite that it's been a fantastic visit and i just don't know i really don't know and the the one that as you know you and i've talked about this before the one that absolutely does my head in is northern ireland it's like you know it just <laughs> we have all these issues to do with you know the border in the irish sea and and and, and issues that are now playing out in northern ireland but it's almost like they've just landed from Mars, you know, it's like a little problem that arrived, and we don't, we don't, quite, we don't know, we never saw that coming. Well, you know what? Some of us did. Yes, I mean, you you, you list in, in the piece for the New European. It's a, there's a pretty long list of things that Brexit is partly to blame for, and we again, we you know, let's make it clear there are lots of other factors for these things. But you talk about imports, exports, energy, rising food prices, inflation, labour shortages rotting fruit, milk, sewage in rivers, pigs being killed rather than butchered, uh, et cetera, et cetera, red tape, of course, and Northern Ireland. Is, are we heading for some kind of winter of discontent, do you think? Look, I think we're in a bad place. I think we're in a very, very bad place. And I think it's worsened by the fact that we do have, uh, as Prime Minister, somebody who just sees it all as a bit of a game and he likes to lie, he likes to gaslight, he likes to, you know, just sort of shift onto a different agenda. But I think the reality is pretty grim. 
look, it's not anything in your own life. If you've got a problem, if you've got a problem in your relationships, you've got a problem with your health, whatever it might be, you only start to deal with the problem by facing up to it. We appear as a country to be absolutely determined not to face up to it. Mm. Well, that's not going to help anybody. No. And let's let's turn to Labour then, because, of course, the conference is coming up. In this piece, you, you've been critical of Keir Starmer's TUC speech for not mentioning the elephant in the room, and then you're critical about the fact that Labour focused their reshuffle attack on the fact that Nadine Doris is terrible and ex-ministers get paid off when they leave their offices. How, how First of all, how should Labour have attacked the reshuffle? There was no change in terms of the, the direction of the government. So mm. I think, to be absolutely frank, I think there was a case for virtually ignoring it. What I find with, I find Labour at the moment, the conference hopefully will be very different, but insofar as they're on to the, in the news agenda, they're kind of getting tagged on stories about the Tories, which w- what I want is to see Labour actually making the weather, Labour yeah. creating their own agenda, driving their own agenda. And so th- there's actually too much where they're kind of just almost becoming like commentators, and that's playing the Tories game and it's playing the media's game, because the media just, you know, that's how they're using Labour at the moment. Lots of our lots of our uh, readers and listeners are writing in with with what they think Keir Starmer should say. So so what what should Keir Starmer say specific? What, what should he say about in Brighton generally, and what should he say specifically about the uh, about Brexit and the way that the withdrawal from the EU has been handled? Well, I think generally, I would like to see you, you've got to do two things. You've got to you've got to you, the gov- the Tories are in government; they are dominant in the agenda. I would like to see an absolute laceration of the government's values and the impact that's having on people's lives. I'd like to see the link, direct link being made between Johnson's character and the chaos of his government. And there's so much material there to absolutely go up. But then more importantly, I'd like to see Keir Starmer giving three or four big arguments with big policies attached to them that explain why a Labour government and a Labour Britain would be very, very different. And on Europe, given that he's not going to be anytime soon, uh, if at all, suggesting that, you know, this Brexit is such a disaster, we ought to think about undoing it. I would like him to say, point out where it's gone wrong, point out that this is a deal that they said was thought through, effective, going to be working, point out all the things that goes wrong, but then say Labour now has to take the lead in forging the new relations with the European Union that will help rather than worsen the problems that the list lot have created. So be pragmatic about it, but for, 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 for do not play the game of elephant in the room, because at the moment that's what it feels like. And finally, does this really come down to Labour's attitude to migration? A lot of these problems are being caused by the lack of an EU workforce. Is, shouldn't, isn't this a time that Labour should be making a positive case for migration? Well, it should... I mean, it depends. You know, you can you can say make a positive case for migration, but actually, when I talk about being practical and pragmatic, identify the sectors where people are needed and explain where you think they should come from without yeah. fear. The fact is, it is an absolute outrage that we have fields of good fruit and fields of good flowers and they are rotting because we've got nobody to pick them. Right, where are we going to get the people to pick them? Be open about that debate and say what it means. And I think the public are ready for a much more honest and sensible debate on this. I know you're always going to get, immigration is always going to be a sensitive sensitive subject, but we are now seeing Brexit doing fundamental damage to our economy, to various sectors across the economy, therefore to our living standards, therefore to our public services and everything else. And we have to fix the problems that these liars and charlatans have created. 
created. Very short on time, but always a pleasure right. to speak to you, Alistair Campbell. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. And finally, it's the Hall of Shame, our home for putrid politicians, pompous pundits, things that just annoy me generally. Boris Johnson's in the Hall of Shame again, not even for his risible speech at the UN, although I will come to that in a minute. He told reporters, when asked about Joe Biden's concerns over the Northern Ireland Protocol, he told them this. The President's actually in our meeting yesterday. I don't think it came up at all. We had a meeting of over 90 minutes and it wasn't raised. That's interesting, isn't it? Because... When they had their joint uh, press conference, Joe Biden said they had talked about it. And the, the White House minutes of the meeting say this. They discussed Northern Ireland and President Biden reiterated his longstanding support for a secure and prosperous Northern Ireland in which all communities have a voice and enjoy the gains of the hard-won peace. Funny, isn't it? And it comes a few days after Boris Johnson said the Dutch Prime Minister wanted to mediate on problems between the UK and the EU, including the Northern Ireland Protocol. He said, I talked to Mark Rutter the other night, who wanted to come and see if he could mediate on the issue. And when the Dutch were asked about this, they said that wasn't true as well. They said, the Prime Minister called on Boris Johnson to be constructive, pragmatic and engage with the Commission, the UK and the EU share the responsibility to make the protocol as negotiated and ratified on both sides of the channel work for the people in Northern Ireland. I don't know about you, but it's almost like Boris Johnson's a total liar who can't be trusted and just make things up as he goes along, isn't it? Edwin Poots is in the Hall of Shame. You might remember that name. He was leader of the DUP for about seven minutes earlier this year, and he believes dinosaurs only became extinct in about, I think it's about 1926, he believes. Now he's Northern Ireland's agriculture minister, and he's proposing that immigration rules be relaxed to employ, to allow some Filipino meat plant workers into the UK. Filipino meat plant workers. The industry in Northern Ireland has been dependent on the flow of EU workers, and that's all stopped because of the post-Brexit migration rules. Edwin Poot said this, There are butchers from the Philippines who are ready to come here. They will be well paid. They just don't have the English, so we'll need a bit of an amendment to that. Now, it's 6,700 miles from Belfast to Manila. Where else could there be a bit nearer than 6,700 miles back? 700 miles, in fact. Where else could there be where there are plenty of butchers who could come over here and chop up our meat? Maybe people who've been here before and understand English. Maybe uh, you could ask the dinosaurs where they are, Edwin. Now, alack, egad harumph, it's the magical time of the week where I read out the most ridiculous bits from Anne Widdicombe's ridiculous column in the Ridiculous Daily Express. And this week, Anne Widdicombe writes, if you are dividing a cake, there are two ways of doing it. Thickly, or thinly? Well, there are, there are not just two ways of doing it, are there, Anne? What about dividing it into average slice, size slices, like most normal people do? Anne also writes this. It's hardly surprising that two-thirds of Britons believe the welfare system is unfair. It is. Those who work are penalised, while those who are idle get paid. Yeah, those idlers with their long-term illnesses or the idlers who are losing their jobs because something that we're told would be brilliant by the Brexit party has actually wrecked the industries it was supposed to save shame on those idlers. But foremost in the Hall of Shame this week is Nadine Doris. She's the Culture Secretary. She's the actual Culture Secretary. And here's some advice from the Culture Secretary from a newsletter that she launched in 2018 about what to do with books. 
This came in a section called Thrifty Ways to Make Over Your Home. And this is what the Culture Secretary, Nadine Dorries, wrote about books. Conceal your unsightly Wi-Fi router by hiding it in a hollowed out hardback book. Use a scalpel to cut out all the pages inside, leaving just the front, back and spine. And it's ready to put the router inside and show off on a bookshelf. So we've got a Culture Secretary who thinks the best thing to do with your big brainy hardback books is to hollow them out and put unsightly electrical equipment inside the culture secretary. But what do you expect when the man who hired her thought it was a good idea to go to the UN and start talking about Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, who no doubt in the next reshuffle will be the Home Secretary and the Foreign Secretary. That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thanks to my guest, Alistair Campbell. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks always to our producer, Ellie longman Root. Episodes of the New European Podcast are released every Friday. Not next Friday, though, as I'm on holiday. If you enjoyed this one, why not subscribe and rate and review it on your podcatcher of choice? And if you'd like to enjoy more podcasts from the New European, check out Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives. Brilliant. Available where you've got this podcast. And if you'd like to enjoy more from the New European itself, visit our new website and join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. On social media, you can join our Facebook readers group or you can follow The New European on Twitter, at The New European. Follow me on Twitter, please, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. So no podcast next week, but I'll be back in October. So until the next time we meet, so long, snowflakes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.